Good morning, church. You may be seated. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad that you could join us this morning. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, Ruben here, my brother, is going to be teaching our Spanish service in the next service. Um, so thrilled about what God has done. We're nine months old as, as a church. Um, and what he has done from the beginning to set us as a family that speaks two languages, but really is one family. We've gotten to experience that in different ways already. Um, we're one family because we share the one hope of Jesus Christ. And uh, we have really one pastor of this church, one head of this church, who is Jesus himself. And we've just enjoyed this journey so far in following him and how he has led us as a church, as a body. When I was young, um, I was very much an introvert, shy. Uh, I remember in junior high groups at church, in high school groups at church, and even college group at church, I would go and I was perfectly happy to not say a single word the whole time at an event in the high school. I, had, I was very introverted, very shy, uh, very paranoid about what people thought about me, uh, was part of that. Um, very perfectionist uh, was part of that. But, but definitely what God has done in my life has not been an achievement of my own, but has been the grace of God, overcoming me. Overcoming my achievements, overcoming my strengths, it has been something that God has worked his grace in my life to where I'm at today. Three years ago, I was uh, interviewing uh, for a job up in Austin, for a software development job. And uh, I did great. Uh, the phone interview, all their questions they had for me, went through all those just fine. Uh, then you went into the office, they had me doing these coding uh, problems and different things, just fine through all of that. They said, okay, that's great. We want to move on to the last interview. We want to do a cultural interview. I had never heard of a cultural interview. What is a cultural interview? How do you prepare for a cultural interview? Well, I got in there not knowing what to expect, and the first questions were pretty normal. Uh, why would, why do you want to work here? Um, you know, that's a normal interview question. And do you, are you someone who likes to work on their own, or do you like to work as part of a team? Things like that. And then the guy, there's three people at this conference table, um, and the guy across from me, he got real serious and said, this next question is, is important. Think carefully before you answer. He said, how do you make a hot dog? I knew in that moment this was not like any other interview I had ever been in. And there were some funny questions like that as we went through. But then there's a new turn of questions. And a question came through. said, what's the hardest decision you've ever had to make in your life? And that person that David was years ago, was no longer present at the table by God's grace. It was with ease that God led me right there to just lay my life out on the table. What's the hardest decision you ever had to make? Well, well, well three years before that, we had following God's direction, trusting him and what he was doing in our family, 
left everything we knew in California to move out to Texas. And that's what came to mind. And so I, I just described how we had, in following God's direction, left everything behind to, to come out here to Texas to get our family in order for whatever God had for us to do. And I was thinking, uh, I wonder if it's going to be more questions like that. Well, then the next question, um, what are you most passionate about? Well, normally, you, you kind of keep within the confines of, of work, and, and you're trying to get this job, and that's the focus. But that, that would have been potentially what the old David would have done. But by God's grace, he's been working something new in my life that's not old David. And, and with ease, uh, he led me to, to talk about how once we've been out here, how what we've been passionate about is just simply following the Lord to get our house in order and find what God had for us to do. And that even looking for this job was following that, that I'm passionate about following God's leading in my life. And, and, and then I ended up, question after question, I ended up apologizing and saying, I'm not intentionally here to, to share my faith, but you keep asking these questions and I'm gonna be honest about my answer uh, to these questions. They, they said, you know, what, what event in your life has, most, uh, has, has taught you the most about yourself? And, and I had just been fresh out of God uh, leading me to be a part of Austin Disaster Relief Network, and we had deployed for a week to Denham Springs after the flooding out there, and for a whole week had gone house to house, meeting people in the midst of their disaster and, and bringing in the name of Christ hope and, and, and speaking just uh, debriefing and, and emotional help to the people that were in that. And I was carrying that. For the next year after that, I could barely talk about it without tearing up because of the impact that, that had on my life, not just for seeing firsthand and the personal experience of seeing their suffering, but seeing God doing a work to meet people. And, and every day, miracle after miracle, uh, that, that was this... This experience that then I, I ended up describing that. I, I ended up in the course of that interview describing my whole life laid out in, in testimony of what God had done. And that wasn't David. See, the David before, I was so awkward, especially with talking to somebody about my faith, especially talking to somebody that's a non-Christian to bring up a transparency of my life of what really mattered the most in my life and just share Christ, that was something extremely difficult for introvert, quiet David. But God has done a work in my life, truly transforming me by his grace to where I am now today. Boy, speaking in front of people, that was the last thing on the list. God, are you gonna do that in my life? But by God's grace, he can accomplish something beyond us. So how did I get there? How did I get from where I was before into that interview where with ease, I was able to just lay my life out for perfect strangers, not knowing, but by the way, I did get the job. I, I didn't know afterwards, <laughs> this is a crazy guy, do we want him? Cultural, I don't know, does that check the list for cultural interview? This guy's uh, crazy about following the Lord. I did get the job, but, but how did I get there? How did I get from 
where I was before to that point. If you turn with me into 2 Corinthians, we're going to look primarily in chapter 5. We're going to bounce around a little bit in 2 Corinthians. But turn with me to chapter 5, starting in verse 15. What happened in my life, what happens in everybody's life, who's trusting Jesus as their Lord. And it says in verse 15, And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. Instead, to live for him who for, the, who for their sake died and was raised. There's the first part of it. What Jesus has been working in my life, throughout my life, is to no longer live for myself, that perfectionist, that, that person who's worried about what people think. It's, it's being transformed to be someone who lives for the one who died for me and was raised. And then in verse 16, uh, just uh, as an example in Christ, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, what we see on the outside, that person who, who has weaknesses and faults, and we don't regard people in that way uh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, how, how he was as a man. And maybe part of what the weakness of our faith, faith is that we still regard him that way. That's not how Christ is now. Uh, but, but truly, we shouldn't regard him that way. We regard him thus no longer. He is now raised from the dead. He is now glorified. He is now at the right hand of the Father, and he is now King of kings and Lord of lords. All authority has been given to him. That's Christ now. We no longer regard him as he was in the flesh. And so now in Christ, we should no longer regard ourselves or each other as we are in the flesh. But if this wonderful verse, next in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's how we should regard everyone who is in Christ. All of this, verse 18, is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. What does it mean that he reconciled us? What is it to reconcile two people who, if I go into Romans chapter 5, it's reconciling enemies. This is what it is. Between us and God, we are enemies. What is it when two enemies reconcile? Well, both parties have to have to have something change to come together. Well, what, what does that mean when it's, when it's me, the created being, sinful being before a holy almighty God being reconciled? There's a whole different kind of a, a, a enmity between two parties. What needs to change with me? What needs to change with God? Wait, is there anything that needs to change with God? What's the, what's the substance of this enmity? It's my sin. I've sinned against God. I, I, I'm an enemy of God in that, that I am rebelling against him. Well, on God's part, he's a holy God, a perfectly just God, and what happens to sin? It, it, it is justly handled. Sin must be what would be the word? Sin, sin must, there must be a penalty for sin. Justice must be done for sin. So then to reconcile these two, an almighty God and a sinner, that's why God in his great love for us sent his son to be 
the one to reconcile us. On our part, to take a heart of stone that's turned against God and turn it into a heart of flesh that's turned towards God. A heart of stone that's, that's going after the things of this world to a heart of flesh that's pursuing and desiring God. There's, that's what needs to happen within us to reconcile. But what about for God? His wrath, his justice needs to be satisfied. And so he sent his son as, as this person to, be, to become a man so that he could, he could qualify to stand in the place of all mankind, but as one who had never sinned, to stand in our place and take the wrath of God on himself for us. And now that the wrath of God is satisfied and the means through Jesus Christ is there for us to, to now in the spirit of God within us to be turned towards God, we have a mediator that's able to reconcile us to God. So how did David, me, how did I get from where I was to where I am now? It began with a young man being reconciled to his God. That was the beginning of it. And from there, a new creation. The old passing away, the new, God doing a new work in me. Ultimately to the place where in my heart, God has been building and he's continuing to build a desire to live for him and not for myself. And so those fears, all of, all of the reasoning and everything that has to do with the person of David that I, would, that I would not want to speak out, that I would be nervous, that I'd be worried about getting a job or not, it's, that's less of a concern than serving my Lord and Savior. And that's something that's his grace in my life. It's no achievement of my own. And it began with being reconciled to God. All right, so that's how I got there. Why was I there? Why did God put me through that? Why? And, and I think there's a case to be made that he was continuing to grow me. He was continuing to do a work at Romans 8, 28. It, he's working all things to the good of those that love him. He's, he is using that in my life to grow me and continue to make me a person who's a new creation. I believe that. But is there a bigger reason? Not about me that God was working in that case and, how, and, and what he works in so many cases like it. Well, if we continue in verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Those who've been reconciled. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Paul has suddenly zoomed way out now. It had been so personal. And boy, we like to talk about. Now I had, Lord, this morning I'm gonna be talking about myself. You know, we can get so caught up in talking about ourselves. It's easy to focus what God's doing in my life. And it's a good thing to think about what God's doing in my life. But right here, he's zooming out. It's no longer about what's in David's life. It's no longer about what God is doing even within Hope Church or what God's doing here in the United States. It's, 
This is at the biggest picture level of what Almighty God is doing in the world at this time. And if I just, I break down the history of the world real quick, the beginning God created a world that was good and he created our ancestors in it and they were in perfect relationship with this holy God, enjoying intimacy with a holy God. And then what happened? They disobeyed. Sin entered the world and, and in that, uh, all mankind then suffered the results of sin, the whole creation, everything that God had put man over then uh, became corrupt and, and, and suffering the, the results of our sin. And, and, but even from the beginning, even before that, it says before the foundations of the world, God had a plan ahead of time that he was going to use to reconcile sinful man to himself, and that plan had its fullness ultimately 4,000 years later after the fall in his son, Jesus Christ, who was sent to reconcile us back to God. And so now in this time, what is God doing? He's reconciling the world to himself. There's this message of reconciliation, and he has given that message to us. And, and that message is incredible. It's simple. God is not counting your sin against you. Believe in his son and receive salvation. That's the big picture. So what was God doing? He was continuing the work that he's doing at a grand scale and has been doing since Christ came and will continue to do for the rest of this age. It's not gonna go on forever. But he was using through me as a vehicle, he was expressing the message of reconciliation. He was expressing hope and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. So then in verse 20, he says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what we are. Everyone who's put their faith in Christ is now an ambassador for Christ. God making his appeal through us. That was what was going on. That, that was the, the biggest part of what was going on in that conference room. Some of it, sure, had to do with growing David, but it was so much more about God continuing to make his appeal through us. to be an ambassador. What is the appeal? That's what comes next. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, the appeal. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This isn't about different religions. This isn't about Christianity or Judaism or, or, or any of the things that have come about over the course of the world. This is going back to fundamentally that every person, every human being, whether they, whether they are however they see themselves before God or whatever God they claim to worship, there is only one God, the one that they created him, and that is their God. And so the message to every single person is be reconciled to your God. This is very personal. This, is, this isn't uh, religious. This isn't anything that we have come up with over the course of history. This is back to the fundamental truth that God has created you and your God 
wants to be reconciled to you. He is not counting your sin against you. Believe in his son and turn to him. And so the message God has entrusted with us is right there in verse 21. What a great, it's an awesome, just succinct, short description of the incredible work that God has done through Jesus. It says in verse 21, for our sake, he, God, made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. There's the good news. That's the message, what God has accomplished. This is, this is Christianity. I want to boil it down to what this is all about, why we're here, what, what are we doing here? We are ambassadors of Christ. We've been entrusted with the message of the gospel, the good news that God is reconciling the world to himself and what we have in his son. That, that's why we're here. When we first were looking at, at establishing uh, Hope, Hope Church, we, for a year planning uh, as we are sent out a fellowship church just across the freeway, um, and, and we're looking at the east side of Kyle that God was calling us to. What, what was the purpose of all of that? Why go through all that effort? This is it. To bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the east side of Kyle in a new way to expand on the work that God was already doing through Fellowship Church. That was the purpose. And, and as we're uh, looking at, God, what's a specific area? What, where do we go? What, what, where's, where's our heart supposed to be in reaching? And, and as he guided us to being a church with two languages uh, and, and one hope, that, that was for the purpose of reaching a community that had two languages and no hope. You see how this is why we're here. This is the purpose. Um, if you can put our mission statement up, I don't know how many of you know, we actually have a mission statement and a vision statement. Um, you have it back there? All right, mission statement. Loving God and transforming lives by the living hope of Jesus Christ. You see how that ties into this? The greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor. By loving God by loving my neighbor, I'm loving God. You see how this purpose of a message of reconciliation is the living hope that's transforming lives, that's growing us, that took me from being who I was to who I am now. That's the transforming work of, of being reconciled to my God. And that, that's the hope that we carry. And that, that's the mission that God's given to his church. That doesn't change from church to church. We change how we, how we format it. We change how we describe it. There's one mission. That's not unique to Hope Church. But then God's created us uniquely to meet this particular community, and that's where our vision statement comes in. Two languages, one hope, together loving our community. You see how God's formed us as a church to carry out the mission in East Kyle? That in, in our unity, we are displaying the love of God first, and then as we carry that out, we're able to meet people where they're at, whether they speak English or speak Spanish. I remember in the, uh, we were still a little more than a year from a year back. Um, last year, uh, 
we didn't even know that there, where we could possibly meet. We were told everything, every single school is full. Uh, you're not going to be able to get into a school. And, uh, and we said, well, that's nice, but we know God's going to provide the way, whatever it is. And at that time, uh, there, there was property that we were looking at. We actually received an, an offer. Uh, uh, they, they wanted uh, for a church to be on that property, and, and we got an offer that at half the, half the value of the property that they would sell it to us. But we didn't have any money. I said, okay, if God wants us to be there, he'll provide what's needed. And, 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 and that didn't, God ended up through an incredible series of events uh, opening the door for us to meet here in this school, um, uh, which is incredible. Um, that, that offer on that property has remained. And, and as we've been just looking at, uh, God, where's the future of this church? Um, I've wondered, is there a possibility that, that God would ultimately lead us to build a church over there on that property? And I've spent multiple times this past year going out and just walking that property, praying for the neighborhoods I can see around, praying and just saying, God, is this ultimately where you would, you would have our future as a church, where you're leading us? And then we'd, we'd meet with, I don't know if you know, we have a strategic planning team. Uh, we are underneath both Southern Baptist Texas and a Blue Bonnet Baptist Association. And so when we go to this team that we're accountable to, there is Jonathan from, from Fellowship Church is, is on that team we're accountable to. And then we've got a representative from Southern Baptist Texas Convention. We have a representative from Blue Bonnet Baptist. We have, uh, we have a representative from uh, Everyday Church is, is through Southern Baptist, our sponsor church. We have this great accountability group. And, and we said, you know what? There's this property. The, the people that own that, are, they're... They have a piece about us as a church. There's no rush uh, from their end on, on us ever making a decision on it. And, 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 and they're saying, yeah, you don't have the money to go into debt and buy that right now. And, yeah, we know. But if, you know, if God would raise the money, if in the time that God wants, he could raise the money and, and we would have that as, as the next step of what God wants to do. Well, this last week, that property was given to us. There's a, a next step. Why did he do that? Is it to make Hope Church great? No. It's to accomplish this purpose. Why did he lead us in the first place out to East Kyle? Why did he provide this place for us now? Why, why is he providing next steps ahead? It's to reach a community with the hope of Jesus Christ. <laughs> We've been overwhelmed this week just by... God's provision. And it's funny because to him, it's no bigger to provide that than to provide a meal at the table, right? He's an infinite God, infinite supply, and yet to us, it's a big deal. And it's just another testimony that God is leading the way. How that works out, it's still in his hands. Where that ultimately goes, it's in his hands, but he is leading the way to reach a community that needs the hope of Jesus Christ. He is continuing through us, to speak the message of reconciliation. God is not holding your sin against you. Turn and believe in his son for salvation. Praise the Lord. So how am I an ambassador? That's the whole point of this. The intro is about done. We're almost done. 
How am I an ambassador? So, so as, as a body, we're ambassadors. The, the love that we have for each other is a testimony of the love of God. And, even, and, and God has a purpose in using us as a body, but he also has a purpose of using us individually as ambassadors of Christ. And so I want to look at three things real quick this morning. Uh, but before I do that, let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for, God, we have so much to be thankful for. Your provision God, we say with our mouth and we try to trust in our heart that yes, you are providing every step of the way and then you come and you just show us your glory that you continue in your timing, in your way to provide for your church to do your work. God, as we're looking at now how individually you want us to be your ambassadors, to carry your message of hope, God, help us to have that same trust that you can overcome anything. Any inhibitions like myself to, to, to be nervous or, or to not speak up because of what people might think of me, God, that you're so much greater than that. God, help us to just see your truth and be encouraged and emboldened by it this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, how am I an ambassador? Let's go back a couple of chapters uh, to chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Uh, the context of this book, 2 Corinthians, it's another letter from Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. Um, it's the second letter that we have. It wasn't the second letter he wrote. Uh, in both of his letters, he refers to other letters. So this is like the fourth letter he wrote that we know about. Um, and there was a letter he had written before this one that's sometimes referred to as a severe letter, uh, because there were, there were false apostles, there were false teachers that were leading people in Corinth astray. And so Paul had gone there physically, and it hadn't gone so well. And so he'd followed up with this letter that was his love towards them, but a reprimand saying, uh, I don't know what it said. We don't have a record of it, but we have some sense of it. And then he's concerned about how they received that letter. And so when he went to Troas, he was, he was trying to find Titus, to get word about what, how did it go when that letter was received. And so uh, it says in verse 12, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, I had opportunity to preach the gospel of Christ. Verse 13, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. He was so concerned about the Corinthians and finding Titus to find out how that went. He wasn't able to leverage this open door to preach the gospel even. Um, it says, so I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. And that's where he ended up finding Titus. Have you ever had that opportunity in your life to share the gospel and you don't execute on it and afterwards you're kicking yourself? Um, even that, that moment at the conference table, I came away from that going, praise the Lord for opening my heart, but then going, Boy, I could have used that so much better. I kept it safe. It's, it's a way that we often do keep it safe in this culture. I spoke of what God was doing in my life, of following God, of trusting God, and never once spoke the name Jesus Christ. Boy, we need to incorporate the name Jesus Christ as the source of our hope and our reason to live because that makes all the difference in the world we're in today. And so I was kicking myself. 
David, you had every opportunity not just to say how you were trusting God, but how the difference that Jesus Christ made in your life. Often have we missed that opportunity, but then how does Paul respond? But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. We don't walk around here defeated. We are walking in the enemy's territory. The God of this world, Satan, has lost hold on us. We are secured in Christ. The Holy Spirit has secured us, and we are walking victorious in the enemy's camp. That, that, that's, it's a triumphal procession. No, no matter where we go, we're walking with Christ. And if we start to kick ourselves for, you missed this opportunity, you missed that opportunity, we can trust that Christ is using our very presence in this world as a testimony to himself. And that's what we read here. It says, as though... Uh, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So that's the, that's the first point. Uh, through me, how did I put it? You've got it up there. Uh, they can know Christ through me. And so that, the way I put it begs the question, who's the they in your life? Who are the people around you that just by your presence, the fragrance of Christ is there? I trust that that was the greatest thing that God was accomplishing in that conference table. I was not presenting specifically the gospel, but as I was giving testimony of my life dedicated to God, it was the fragrance of Christ in that room. And what's the effect of that? Uh, in verse 15, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We're in this world. And there's those who are putting the trust in Christ and those who are rejecting Christ. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. To those who are responding to Jesus, our presence, that fragrance of Christ, that example of Christ, us as a church in East Kyle, loving each other across two languages is a fragrance of Christ that to those who are responding to Christ, it is life. It's an example of life leading them to life, eternal life. And the sad part is that for those who are rejecting Christ, it's almost as if it's a poisonous perfume. It's also described as, as a stumbling block of offense. To those who are rejecting Christ, it's almost like just, just showing clearly that ultimately they're going to stand not with the righteousness of Christ over them, but stand alone before the terrifying judgment of a holy God. But just our presence here, God through us, is showing his presence, the presence of Christ. And so that's the first way that we are an ambassador of Christ to the world is just by our presence. They can know us. They can know Christ through us. They can know Christ through me. Um, second thing is that I have a sincere testimony. 
you have a sincere testimony. Starting in verse 17, going back to that. Um, that is where I wanted to go. I'm in the wrong page. There we go. <laughs> God uses us all. The fragrance from death to death, the other fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Um, Paul says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. He's in, in this context, he's setting himself apart from the false apostles uh, who would twist and use God's word as, as something to sell people on. That's not what we're about here. We're not peddlers of God's word. We're not trying to trick people somehow into the kingdom. We're not, we're not trying to sell something that's, that's on par with everything else that people get behind and try to sell people on. That's not what this is about. But as men of sincerity, commissioned by God, this is as sincere as it gets, as honest as it gets. Commissioned by God, in the sight of God. There's nothing hidden from God. What we speak, we speak in Christ. From a place of grace, from a place of having been saved, from a place where we no longer have to fear, from a place where, where his strength and his power through his Holy Spirit is working in us. That's the place from which we speak in just raw, honest sincerity, opening our lives out. And the first thing that we have that's so powerful to speak is our own testimony. As an ambassador of Christ, our honest testimony. The third thing, as an ambassador of Christ, truly, I've been entrusted with the message. I've been entrusted with the message. God's appeal to the world, whatever his reasoning is, is to do it through you and me. We are all ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Jesus at the end of his life, having completed his task, what God had sent him for, the, the job was finished. That's what he said. It is finished. That ushered in this new age. And in Jesus Christ, now, beginning with what was the 11, right? Not the 12 yet. It was the 11 right there. Turn with me to Matthew 28. He begins what is what is this age? He kicks it off, the end of Matthew, the very end of it, chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus says to the 11 disciples standing there, and Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That was complete. Name above all names, king above all kings. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. I'm with you always. Individually, I'm with you. As you're going to that interview, or you're going to that soccer game, or you're going through the checkout line at HEB, whatever it is, I am with you as a church as you are figuring out how do we reach a community, how do we build a church to reach a community, I am with you. 
providing a school to meet in, providing land to build on. I am with you to the end of the age. The end of the age. When, when is that? That's when Jesus comes again. We were singing about that, our hope of Jesus coming again. And, and, and right after this, not long after this, we see recorded in the book of Acts just the beginning of this work, that it was not just these 11 disciples carrying the message, now, now entrusted with the message, but God was there with him. Jesus was there with him. And so in God's perfect timing, just as it's God's perfect timing here in this church and how he is bringing us to meet uh, this community, and God's perfect timing to kick it all off on the day of Pentecost. That, that was a feast, a, a Jewish feast where they would come from all over the place. Go figure, this particular time when they would all come from all over the place. And part of that feast was to offer an offering of first fruits of their harvest. And, and it was in that moment that God would show the first fruits of a great harvest, the first fruits of those who would turn their lives to receive Christ. How many came to the Lord that day? Around 3,000. And it spread. Each of those 3,000 that put their trust in Christ and were reconciled to their God became an ambassador of Christ, entrusted with the message. And they then spoke that, that message with Christ there right along with them into the lives of those around them. And those that received it became ambassadors of Christ. And it has continued on till now. And we are each ambassadors of Christ, entrusted with the gospel, with the news of Jesus Christ. And what is that message? God is not holding your trespasses against you. He's not holding your sin against you. Believe in his son. Turn from your sin and turn to God. Be reconciled to your God. So who in your circle of relationships doesn't know Christ? It could be those you're close to. It could be those that you just run into. Do you see yourself as having been entrusted with the message that God wants to give them? Their God has a message for them, and you are his ambassador. Do you see yourself that way? How do we start dealing with that? We start to lift them up in prayer. God, give me confidence. Jesus, walk with me, because I don't know how to bring up that conversation. I can tell you that that's been something for me to, to learn how to do over my life. How do I just bring up Christ? Well, part of that for me has been to just bring down David and be transparent with the things that matter to me, to be willing to speak about the things that are most important to me. Who has God put into your circle? They can see Christ in you. Already, you are the fragrance of Christ in their life. Your testimony to be transparent about your life is an incredible part of the message that God wants to speak through you so they can see Christ. And God has entrusted you to share the living hope of Jesus Christ. Let's sing about the living hope of Jesus Christ. <laughs>
Jesus, your name has set the captives free. And God, that's why we want your name to be glorified. We want your name to be known in the east side of Kyle so the captives will be set free. God, through your living hope, living in us, God, make your hope known to those that don't know you, that they would see you and respond to your name, God, in trust and faith and salvation. God, we love you and we praise you, Jesus Christ, our living hope. And it's in your holy name we pray, amen.